Have you ever been an uninvited guest at a dinner table? Like maybe you were just hungry or saw that a good party was going on and you kind of crashed the party. Well, believe it or not, that actually happened in ancient times too. And there's a story in the Bible where Jesus was at a party and someone crashed the party. And we're gonna see how Jesus handled that situation and what it might tell us about how we can treat the people who maybe don't quote, belong in certain situations. You can read the story in Luke 7, 36 through 50, and our senior pastor, McGray De Vega, is gonna unpack it right now for about 13 minutes. Check it out. Let us pray. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, humility, and to the way of the cross that we might be generous and compassionate towards others and ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus must have suspected something from the moment he entered the home of Simon the Pharisee. Because you and I know that there can be a difference between someone inviting you over to their home and someone making you feel welcome in their home. Imagine being invited to someone's house for dinner. Now, what typically happens when you arrive is that they open the door, right? And they smile and they welcome you in with a handshake or even a hug. They might offer to take your coat if it happens to be the one week that we have winter here. They lead you into the living room or the kitchen and they offer you a place to sit and then offer you a drink or even a quick bite. These are more than just social customs. These are acts of hospitality, acts of welcome. They make you feel at home. Now, in the ancient Near East, people observed a, a similar routine. If an honored guest showed up at your door, you would welcome them with a kiss, presumably on the cheek. You would offer them water to wash the dirt and dust off their feet to make them feel more comfortable. And for the grandest demonstration of honor, you would anoint their head with oil. These were more than just social customs. These were acts of hospitality and welcome. Well, as it turned out, when Jesus arrived, Simon the Pharisee did none of those things. Instead, he did just the bare minimum. It was basically his way of saying, look, Jesus, let's just skip the pleasantries. You and I well know this dinner won't last a minute longer than it needs to. Let's just get right down to business and get this over with. There's a word I've been thinking about in relation to Simon's actions in this story. The word is perfunctory. Perfunctory. It means to do the absolute bare minimum with very little interest or effort in the task. Basically, it's going through the motions. And that is how Simon the Pharisee was acting here. It was one thing to invite Jesus over for dinner, which was nice of him, but it was quite another to welcome Jesus in, to make him feel like an honored guest in his home. And as you and I step into this story today, this is the question that we get to wrestle with. In what areas of your faith are you spiritually perfunctory? I know it's not a pleasant question, is it? But this is Lent, and we are meant to be challenged, and introspective questions are part of the journey. In what ways is your faith spiritually perfunctory right now? Do you feel that way when you read the Bible? 
Do you even read the Bible? How about the way you approach worship? Do you approach it with anticipation to praise God? Or is it more obligatory, perfunctory? Or even in the way you engage in prayer? John Wesley liked to ask this question of himself and others. Am I enjoying prayer? To what degree does your spiritual life feel like you are simply going through the motions without any deep sense of passion or enthusiasm or joy? I get it. We all, we all go through periods of dryness and drought in our spiritual practices. So during this season of Lent, we have an invitation to truly welcome Jesus to our table and move into a deeper relationship with him that is much more vital, much more alive, and much more passionate. And that's where the woman comes into today's scripture passage. Luke doesn't give us a name, so I'll prefer to call her Susie Durkins. You know the name Susie Durkins? Well, you might if you've ever read the iconic comic strip Calvin and Hobbes, which was a, a mainstay of my growing up years. Calvin and Hobbes was about a young boy named Calvin who had a stuffed tiger doll named Hobbes, who was very much alive in Calvin's imagination. Calvin, being a six-year-old boy, had no interest in girls and a strong distaste for one neighborhood girl in particular named Susie Durkins. Calvin and his tiger Hobbes even formed a boys-only club called Gross, which stood for Get Rid of Slimy Girls. Now, in one particular episode, Calvin inadvertently lost Hobbes, who was then picked up by a neighborhood dog and carried out into a nearby field and chewed on. But in came Susie Durkins, who found Hobbes, scooped him up, cared for him, and welcomed him as an honored guest at her table, which, of course, solicited this reaction when Calvin found out. In fact, in more than a handful of times, Susie Durkins would treat Hobbes with the kind of affection and honor and respect that Calvin did not always show, which delighted Hobbes and made Calvin even more upset. So, in Luke chapter 7, Simon and his gathering of Pharisees were basically hosting their own boys-only meeting of gross, and he was giving Jesus just the perfunctory amount of attention when in came this woman. And Jesus saw immediately that she was giving him the kind of honor and attentiveness that the host failed to show him. So Jesus looked at Simon and said, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. In other words, Simon, your actions were perfunctory. Hers were passionate, earnest, wholehearted. You should be like her. Luke tells us this story to set up a, a binary choice, right? When it comes to the spiritual life, we can either be like Simon, whose spiritual actions were little more than going through the motions, or we can be like this 
Palestinian Susie Durkins, who approached every aspect of the spiritual life with intentionality and passion and enthusiasm. And Luke makes it clear what the real difference is in the motivation between the two. If you want to be less perfunctory and more passionate in your spiritual life, here's the difference. Gratitude. The woman was grateful for what Jesus had done for her. Simon was not. Jesus told a parable. Suppose there was a money lender who had two people who owed him money. One owed him 50 days worth of wages. The other owed him 500 days worth of wages. Now suppose the money lender forgave both people of their debts. Who do you suppose would be more grateful? I mean, the meaning was unmistakable, right? Even, even Simon understood the answer to be that the greater the debt is forgiven, the greater the gratitude and the greater the passionate response. So does that mean that Simon was less sinful than this woman? I mean, is Jesus really saying that the woman's sins are 10 times greater than Simon's sins? No. It's not that the woman was more of a sinner than Simon. The difference is that the woman was more aware of her sins. The woman was more willing to acknowledge them and repent of them and confess them and, and resolve to do better. And when she did, she became 10 times more open to the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, which led her to be more grateful and ultimately more passionate about loving God. By the way, Luke would tell us a similar story just eight chapters later. In Luke chapter 15, we see another contrasting choice between two sinners. The first was a young man whose choices landed him in pig slop, far from home. We call him the prodigal. The other was his older brother, who may by some standards have been less of a sinner than his prodigal brother. But by the end of the story, the difference was not about how much or how little they each sinned, but how much or how little they repented and confessed. The prodigal did, the brother did not. It's the exact same dynamic here. The primary contrast between Simon and the woman was not how much or how little each of them sinned, but how much they repented of their sins, and therefore how much they were grateful for God's forgiveness. So the spiritual formula in Luke's gospel goes like this. Repentance leads to gratitude. Gratitude leads to passion. Passion eliminates perfunctoriness. Friends, if you find yourself in a season where your spiritual life feels dry, like you're just going through the motions in your spiritual practices of reading scripture or prayer or worship or financial generosity or invitation or service, then maybe you are a little more like Simon and a little less like this woman. During this Lenten journey, welcome Jesus to your table and begin with repentance. Acknowledge the sin in your life that you have been blinded to for far too long. Seek forgiveness, both the forgiveness of God and the forgiveness of those whom you have harmed. And when you experience the undeserved and lavish grace of God, you will discover a gratitude that will set you free 
free to praise and give glory to Jesus and to offer that love in service to others so that you can hear for yourself the very last words that Jesus said to this woman. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray together. God, we welcome you into our lives like an open table. Forgive us for just going through the motions in our spiritual journey. We want to embrace you with our very best, beginning with a repentance of our sins. We've not loved you wholeheartedly. We have failed to love others. So we ask for your forgiveness. Fill us with the joy of salvation, a gratitude for your grace, and then a passionate enthusiasm to love you and others with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this message inspired you or gave you something to think about, about maybe how you can treat people who are a little bit different than you or maybe show up at your table unexpectedly. Uh, we want to give you two next steps that you can take to go deeper with this message. First, down in the item description below are some reflection questions. You can just think about these a little bit, maybe journal about them or talk about them with a friend and see if they help you kind of process this message a little bit more. Or second, if you want to process this message with our church community through small groups or worship, you can go to hydeparkumc.org slash next steps to learn more. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time.